This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Hashem, I guess what I said last time wasn't too outlandish because you invited me back. And there's a, if you choose a topic, I try to condense uh, 20, 30 hours of a sugya into some of the highlights within an hour, which we're going to do today. And it's an interesting angle because right now and during Night Seder, started about three, four months ago, and we have another four months to go on the sugi of Kibra of Aim in various directions, parents, grandparents, and the like. And for the Elam here, yes, the uh, danger always when you hear a chiddish or a reinforcement of something, and you go back to the children and the grandchildren <laughs> with requests and tainas. So obviously over here, the I think it's not tainas, I think it's a good thing that the parents and grandparents know what the parameters are, not just the children, simply because often we have to make allowances in every generation for leaning on certain, if you call it a kula, of being mechomor, of understanding the dar, and catering to certain things that go on in the particular generation that need slight adjustments. With that said, we can't take one of the primary dinim, that not by coincidence in a service of Dibris, and do away with it. It's not good for children, it's not good for parents, it's not good for the Messiah. Uh, if you notice, a service of Dibris are divided left side and right side. And it's pretty clear that Kibrav Aim is in the grouping of Ben Adam Lamakam. who we would expect it to be Ben Adam Lachavero. There's a debate in the Achrenim whether it's Ben Adam Lachavero, they could be Michael, to what extent they could be Michael and the covet as opposed to be Zion. And then there's the question is it also Ben Adam Lamakam? Is it only Ben Adam Lamakam with various Nafkaminas? It's certainly on the right side. It certainly starts off as Ben Adam Makam. The simple reason is it's part of our Messiah. The Messiah depends on understanding that uh, the children have to be taking from the parents and the grandparents, and they have to be latching onto the Messiah, even if they don't understand everything. Classic example, we're going to have a few of them. Today happens to be in the parsha, not by coincidence. Yosef Atzadik, who was an Eloi, Atzadik, had the utmost covered for his father, certainly was happy to be back with him after all these years. And it came to the Brochus, and we all know he lines up Ephraim and Menashe, and Yaakovina makes a switch, and Yosef thinks it's a mistake, tries to switch it back, and Yaakovina gives the classic answer, Yadati bin Yadati. Uh, that's important. You have to know with what children, uh, what circumstances you can get away with that. But the aside is certainly true. Part of the learning curve is that the younger generation understands that even though you're smart and even though you have kaychus and we hope you use them, there's a certain experience that goes with the previous generation and sometimes the adati bini adati in the proper way has to be reinforced that been there, done that, have experience and there's a lot you could still learn. And there's a, uh, there's a certain finesse in doing that. It's never a perfect science, but it still has to be done. And I think that as we bend the tree the other way to make accommodations, you bend the tree too far in one direction. You have to make sure you end up somewhere in the middle. I'm probably preaching to the converted, but it's an important, important aside. Uh, we're going to have uh, many, many subtopics. As I mentioned, each one is really a Shia Bifne Atzma. But I'd like to begin with one which uh, is more of a, a question in my mind. It's not a kasha. I'll throw it out, something to think about. If the Elam has any suggestions, I'd like to hear. We know that in Parshas Vayichi, the Shifte Kav very nervous after Yaakovinu dies, and they come to Yasef, they throw themselves before him. They said, well, you're Avadim. They were afraid that he would take Nakama. Yaakovinu is not here anymore. And Yosef reiterates, I was Meichel you already, and Meishem Yetzadavar, and all turned out wonderful, and don't worry about it. Why were they so worried? 
So there are two reasons that come to mind, besides the obvious that the Tata's not here anymore, and that's sort of the glue that held everything together. That's not just, they thought, that's not just something in their imagination. Right after the Batira and the Kvira, they noticed uh, a big change, and that while Yaakovin was alive, they were always invited to dine at the Viceroy's table, and they had a Suda, and it was uh, one happy family. And afterwards, it came to, seems to be an abrupt stop. The question is why? Indeed, it certainly sent uh, shivers down their spine, and there was a bit of a tumult afterwards. Yosef had to reassure them and reassure them and give them Kavachimers and ten candles and one candle. So why did he do it? Why did he stop inviting them? I don't have a great... I'm sure Yosef had a shot, and we don't even find after they complained that he realized that, that it was a mistake and invited them back. We don't find there was any reversal. I don't know that there wasn't, but we don't find that there was. It seems to be that uh, the new system was, uh, we'll see you on the yard site, and we'll say hello, maybe in the base medrash, of course, but you're not coming for dinner so often, if at all. The question is, why? It's just going to get everybody nervous. I threw out the question to Shul. Somebody wanted a taina that he was the viceroy after all, and the king doesn't really have time or the wherewithal to keep inviting his family to dinner every night. And even though it was difficult while Yaakovina was alive, everybody understood Yaakovina was a prince in Mitzrayim, and everybody was machabed him. So once he invited Yaakovina, he had an excuse to invite the rest of the Mashbacha. But now Yaakovina wasn't here anymore, so to invite his brothers and his nieces and his nephews, he's running... Uh, Running a country over here, it wasn't really Birteshiasu. So he stopped and they took it the wrong way and he tried to explain it. So maybe politically that's the Pashup shot. I am sure that Yesef knew a Yesaid that we all know and try to give to our children and grandchildren, and that is that just because we're not here, hopefully we're here, but we're not always at the house, and we don't always live in the same city, but the children should still get together, and uh, the brother that has the, uh, maybe the largest house should invite everybody. So the aside is certainly true. The question is why he stopped. There must have been some pressing reason. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to know. It's certainly got to be nervous, so that's not a tiny and Yosef, and he explained himself as best as possible. The second thing that got them nervous, also, you have to let me give a shot to what Yosef was thinking, because he was smart enough to bavarn that this could be an issue. When he went back for the Kfura, on the way back to Eretz Canaan, he stopped by the bar that he was thrown into. Almost got killed in. And he stopped by the bar, as Rashi tells us, and he looked inside and he stared and he stared and he thought about it. And the Shifteka were getting very nervous. That, oh, he's remembering what happened, now he's going to take Nakama. So these two things together got them extremely nervous, and the question is, what was Yosef doing? So Farsham suggests the Pashup Shad is that he came to say a bracha, which is a chiv, and uh, when you say a bracha, you want to thank HaKadosh Baruch Shalom, so he took a few moments to contemplate and remember what exactly transpired over here. Did Yosef not realize that that uh, could create quite a stir? Look, when he said Ani Yasef, right before he started telling them, May Hashem is a and it's okay, and Hashem sent me here to help you, and I'm happy to be of assistance, the first thing he said was, I'm Yasef who you sold to Mitzrayim. If he would have said Ani Yasef, that would have been self explanatory. Why did he have to add and Kilu rub it in Hashem Achartem? So Basilevi, famous Basilevi, says, No, no, that was Sebedavka. That your whole tiny here is Yaakovinu is going to. Not survive if we don't send back Benyamin. It's interesting, you didn't think about that when you sold me. He wasn't trying to take the comma, he was trying to make a point that the tshuva has to be a tshuva samishkal in terms of understanding the contrast and the stira and doing tshuva because of the open stira. So, is it that far-fetched that he took a moment to stop by the bar? They should think about this is the Malcolm where it happened, it's a good place to do tshuva? I don't know. I don't know if that's so far-fetched. They certainly got uh, very, uh, very nervous about it. Interestingly enough, as a, just an interesting sidebar, we hope it's not nogeh too much, there's a machlekes in Shulchan Aruch when the brocha is chal, everybody's had situations in their life when they had close calls. Rachman, it's not a car accident, so my dad and everybody's okay. 
and it looks really bad. The police come and everybody's looking and they don't, they've seen a lot of this, they don't know anybody walked out. So when you go back to that place in the highway, do you say, So some say that you do if it's jarring enough and obvious enough to everybody that this was something where most people get more seriously hurt or don't survive, and you did, so requires a bracha. And one sheet in the Machaber is even with Shema Malchus. And the other sheet that says it has to be uh, almost an ace nigla, something that's above derech hateva. Fascinating is normally you say several books lahokal by these things. Shevet Levi is a tshuva, and does the betzel achachma and many others, and they side with uh, Shevet Levi is talking about a bad car accident. And he says that <laughs> if uh, the police and all the hatzala uh, members and everybody's looking at the scene, and uh, the car looks like an accordion, they can't stand anybody walked out, and they tell you, you know, you're a very lucky, lucky person. This never happens. That's already enough of an ace to say with Shema Malchus. What's also interesting, the B'tzel HaChachma, who I'm gathering from the Tshuva, and he says so pretty beferish, went through the war, was in the camps, and he says if you go back to Auschwitz or wherever it was, and you go back and you find any Mokum where you remember standing, it says every two feet was a nice for anybody surviving. He says that's enough. Even though there wasn't any particular nice Nigla necessarily, he says statistically the odds were so poor that anybody survived, there's already enough, similar to the Shevet Alevi, and you can make a bracha if you go back there. And he goes on to say, based on another din, you can make a bracha on somebody who went through that. When you meet him, I don't think that's the meaning. We all know people, all seen people. But for the people that go back, there are plenty of people who do go back, went back. Uh, do they make a bracha? He suggests they make the bracha Shema Malchus. It, the debate is discussed in the context of Yosef in the bar. When he looked in the bar, what did he see? So the Pashup Shat, the Shvatim didn't know the Deek and the Gemara, there were no Hashem there. It threw him in the bar as a holding area until they figure out what to do, or to leave him there and he'll starve. They didn't know whether to kill him, Grama, not Grama directly. So when he looked at the bar, the brothers might have wondered if he said Shema Machus, it was Papi Machlekes on the spot. What did you say to Shema Machus? It was only a bar. Maybe he told them, no, no, there were snakes in there, and the snakes like, were an inch away, and then they retreated. That's a nice nigla already. Snakes don't usually retreat. So part of this debate is uh, what exactly happened over there, and did the brothers know? Uh, the rem is the half of my Hanukkah, why it's there in the sugya, is because above and below 20 amas, you can't see, and they didn't see that far down, because it was too far down. It was dark. They didn't know there were no Hashem, and Yosef found out almost the hard way, and he held there was a nice nigla, so it wasn't much of a shayla. Leilainer shouldn't be Nogea, but the B'tzela Chachmas comment about the camps is a, a fascinating insight. Uh, and he says, he describes, he was there, and anybody knows that if you, uh, if you came out, it was Kamaranez Nigli, even though it wasn't necessarily a Shini and Teva on a particular incident. Another fascinating diak, just uh, while we're on the Chumash portion, Somebody actually sent this to me as a shaylu. He said he had a shver balaturim. Balaturim has a lot of gamachias and has very few words. It reads like a saferna. You've got to figure out where he's going with it. But this one, I, when I finally figured out, somebody asked Akasha, you have to work hard. I, I think I figured out what he's getting at, and it's a pretty amazing insight into Hilchus Kibbutz if I'm learning it correctly. Back in Parshish Vayishlach, we all know the Pusik, and once I saw the Baal term, I had to look back because there was an immediate uh, issue with what happened after they met the first time. Pastor Yishlach, Yaakov Inu, was very nervous in meeting Esav, and he davens, prepares for Muhammad. He meets him, he gives him a big hug, and then Esav is so happy with the new Hevershaf, he suggests, why don't we walk together, going to Harseir, and Yaakov Inu, of course, had no interest in hanging around, so to speak. And he said, uh, sort of, uh, not a white lie, he said something, Lamana Shalom. He says, I, I can't go too fast, the children, the animals, um, you go ahead, I'll meet you there. And he didn't, the Akavino never lied, we're going to meet him there. We'll get there sooner or later. You get the impression, a misimpression, that Yaakovino slowed down and Esav went and he continued to Harseir. <coughs> the only problem is that Rashi, at the end of the Parsha, 
says on the Pasuk, Eitz was not big enough, even though there should have been plenty of room, which Rashi addresses. And it sounds like they were living together in the same compound back at home with Yisrael Kavinu. And they didn't have enough room. Rashi says, Pashup Shah didn't have enough room because they're both very wealthy, they had a lot of cattle. Medrash Haggadah, Rashi says, Ibn Yaakov Achiv, why did he leave? Neshtar Chayv Shogzeir Kegeria Zaracha, Hamutal Zarasha Yisak Esav knew that there's a promise you're going to Yisrael, but you have to pay up first. And that's in Mitzrayim. He wasn't interested in working hard. That's vintage Esav. He just wanted the Schar. He wanted the Brochus. He wanted Alam He wanted Yisrael. He wasn't interested in paying his dues. He says, I'm not interested in being part of this. Amar Eiluch Mikan, Eli Chaylik. And therefore, I'm leaving. And Rashi says, the second shop, Dajalan is Rashi. All of a sudden, he had Busha. He sold the Bukhara a long time ago. So, why, why does he have Busha now? So, I noticed something interesting in the beginning of Eishlach. Asa finally gets there. Plan A was Tfila and Deiran, Plan B was Mohama. Plan B2 was, well, the Muhammad's not going well, I'll split up the camps just in case. As a Muhammad, the other ones will get a chance to run. So he says he's splitting up the camps. Do you notice the next passage when Esav gets there? Everybody's together. They're all lined up in their Shabbos finery. And each one of the mothers behind their children. And everybody's lined up. And Esav is like inspecting the troops. What happened in between? If he split them up, why were they together? I think the only thing that happened in between, you look at the Pesukim, is the Mocham with the Sar Shalesev. And Yaakov understood that he was attacked by the Sar Shalesev, and by the morning he had won. He was injured, but he won. And he realized that the Mocham, as is always in life, we just don't always realize it, is fought in Shemayim, and he won. And he beat the Sar Shalesev, nothing to worry about. So he brought everybody back, and, and they came together, and they're all lined up. Zachary the Pashup Shah. They line up, and Esav is coming down for the inspection, and Yaakovin is bowing down. They're all bowing down. And Esav looks at the Mos and the Shifte come, and he asks what is probably the most ridiculous question ever in Chumash. For a smart guy, it needs uh, certainly some study. He says, Mi Elolach. It's wonderful to see you again, my dear brother. Who are all these people? Kind of ridiculous. Who are all these people? These are just extras I hired for the set. What do you mean? Who, who, who do you think they are? Who in the world would come here? It's dangerous. Like, no one's coming to volunteer. So, uh, what was the question? The first Shem say, Mi'elulach was a taina. It wasn't a question. He knew this was the wives and the children. He said, uh, my dear brother, uh, we had a deal already before we were born. We were fighting then. And the deal was, instead of fighting all the time, you take Elam Haba. You seem to be very interested in your Ruchnias. I'll take Elam Haza. It looks like it's a lot of fun. And we'll split it. So a lot better than fighting. And I thought all these years, okay, you stole the bracha, but Lamaisa, uh, I'm wealthy and I'm running around trying to convince myself I'm having a good time. And now I come after all these years and you have money, you have a beautiful family, you have nachas, and it seems to be you have olam haza and olam haba. And I'm running around all these years chasing my tail, finally realizing this is not fun at all. And I lost my Elam Haba, and I don't seem to have too much Elam Haza either. So where's the justice? A good kasha, no? Me Elulah. Where's the justice? So he had a taina, but Kosh Baruch Hu and his Rachamim had Ace of uh, switch his uh, mindset, and Lamaisi gave him a hug, and they, so to speak, made up. That's good when he went to Harseyer, but the problem is, it's clear from the Pasuk we just read, that he didn't go to Harseyer. He must have had a summer home there, a vacation home, part of the family was there, because you come back to the end of the parish and they're living together, because we know that, otherwise they wouldn't have to split up again. So why did Esau go back home? Ever think of this? It's just Pashat and Pasukim. So now with this introduction, we'll look at the tour, and it gets more mysterious. Balaturim says... Beginning of Eishev, says Be'eretz Megurei Aviv. So he says Megurei appears twice in Chumash here, and Megurei El Cherev. We're just talking about a sword. That sounds dangerous already. 
even though Yaakovinu, by going home, was putting himself in extreme sakana, because Esav was still living there, in the same compound with all his henchmen and generals and family, who even though they were friendly at the beginning of Paris Vishlach, that was a one-time thing, and Esav was Esav, and he's already annoyed with the Elam Hazah and the Elam Haba, and it was dangerous. Yaakovinu seems to be, from what the Baal term is going to say, had a very strong hafamid, and maybe it's not a good idea to go home. Which would explain why, for 18 months, he stayed in Sukkot and didn't like it. Well, he was punished for that, but what was his hafamid, and why wasn't he going home? He was trying to get home all the time. It just seems to be a delay, another delay, another delay. So there was an important cheshman. Even though it was dangerous, Yashal Abanam, Moshal Echad, Shara dangerous dogs, and they were going to bite him, and he figures out a way to try to make peace temporarily and dwell among them. He continues, V'yeshev Yaakov, Be'eretz Megurei Aviv, is Gamatria, this is a Baal term, V'yeshev Lakayim Mitzvah's Kibud. He came to Makayim Kibud Aveim. No, why is that a Chiddush? Amar, Beschar HaKavet Zacha Esav, L'chol HaKavet Azeh. Almost like he's looking for an excuse why he has Makayim Kibud Aveim. He says, the Schar that Esav has all his power and dominion, which um, many chazals, the, the, the gula is totally in our kibbutz avayim, because Esav's whole kaya was that he did kibbutz avayim better. So Yaakov Avinu saw that, and it's b'schar ha-kavet zach Esav l'chol and he says, Magure, the yud Magure is a yud kfufa, which we don't have in our sarm, but his sefer had a yud that was kafuf, the number of ways to draw that, the, the leg was bent, even though I had to send ten categories of bribe animals to Esav. So obviously he's doing something I don't have. I'm going to go and bend myself. It's incredible. So the term spells out. That he hesitated to go back, but he says, you know what, I'm going to push myself to do Kibbutz Aveim. So the person standing in the question wanted to know, why does he have to push himself to do Kibbutz Aveim? It's one of the central mitzvahs in the service of Dibris. And, well, it sounds like he has to decide and push himself. Why has he got to push himself? The answer is, it was dangerous here. And Esav prided himself on his Elam Now he realizes Yaakov has Elam also, and Yaakov answer to his taina is, the children is just it's only tools in my Ruchnius. That was his answer. I'm not, I don't take anything from Ulam that I don't need. And Asa realized he starts to feel very foolish. I have no real Ulam no Yishuv Adas. It seems to be I don't have Ulam His Yishuv in his own mind is, I still excel in Kibbutz Aveim more than Yaakov Inu. And I think that's why he probably was headed to Harzeh, but he said, you know what, I'm going home because I have one mitzvah, Kibbutz Aveim, and not that he did Lashma, but it still gives me power and dominion, which it did. It still does, as we sit here in America. And I'm going home to do it more. Now Yaakov is very nervous. What's going to happen? I'm going to go home and I'm going to start doing it. And then he's going to see the last thing he has to stand on is keep it up. He's going to see close up. I also know how to do it. Probably better. And keep it up. is not your Yavar. So he hesitates whether or not to go home. Should I just wait till he moves? So he waited and waited and took us. He was 18 months. He's waiting. Whether and the Baal term says that before, he had to force himself to go do keep it away. Was it to force himself? The answer is it was dangerous. It was a halachic decision over here. They had to make a real process. Is this worth the danger? I'm going to go in and put myself in sakana. So why indeed did he go home? So he made a calculated decision, a calculated risk. I'll be nice. I'll be friendly. As the Baal term says, you go with the dogs, you throw some meat and you... And I'll be extra nice, and maybe he won't start up. And Kachavi, they lived in relative peace and harmony until Esau finally got so fed up and so embarrassed. Now everybody sees Yaakovina does keep it of him as well as I do, if not better. He has Olam Hazah, Olam Haba, and I sold it all. Now it's really embarrassing. So that's how Rashi says. Now he was even more embarrassed, and he said, I, I got to leave. This is too uncomfortable. And finally Esau leaves. So, if this is all true, I think that's the Pashat of the Baal term, and you have to answer the Pesukim anyway. Why did Esav go back if he was headed to Harseir? So we see here, Yesai, the Kibbut Aveim, even though all mitzvahs are not Yehar Vayavra, unless it's the Gimel Aveyaz HaChamuris and the Shas Hashmad. So, why did he make the decision? The answer was, it was a calculated risk, but it was dangerous. A fellow once called me, Nechash of he started asking me, he says, my mother is not feeling well, I want to know, do I have to go visit her? 
I don't know what the shaila was. Do I have to go visit her? What's the shaila? So I said, um, of course you do. So he said, well, she lives very far. I thought he's afraid of flying. So I said, is this an airplane issue? Statistically, airplanes are very safe. So by the time I schlepped it out, he said, no, 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 she lives in Iran. Then at least I understood. I, I said, what's the track record? I've been the Jewish community there for Arab countries. They actually go out of the way to protect them a little bit because they want to come off not as anti-Jewish, but anti-Zionist. Uh, so maybe it's, it's probably all a show, but I said, so what's the, the problem? Is it safe? Is it not safe? Said, well, the people live there, and, you know, have a chazaka, and it is what it is, and they're, they're okay. It's just that not everybody who goes comes back. So he wanted to know, as we all know, unfortunately, from the news, there's always stories, he's catching, he's a Mossad agent, he's a Mossad agent there. So, uh, so I wanted to ask him, are you a Mossad agent? But he, uh, I didn't think I'd get a straight answer anyway. Uh, if I did, he wouldn't be a very good one. And that's a serious shayla. This Baal term is the first rem as you have that, unlike, you know, getting a lulav down a tree, if you don't have scaffolding equipment, like, don't go. There's no mitzvah here. We see a rem is that for keep it of him, you're allowed to put yourself in some danger for it, but it has to be that calculated risk. And that's where the conversation went. I never, uh, by the time I figured out the, the Baal term, he happened to call that week. So I said, you know, but it happens to be it's an interesting Baal term. It talks about such a Muslim. It's not exactly the same as Yaakovino understood that Klaisol's future is dependent on outdoing the Schuss of Esav, and this is his only strong point, so we have to excel in it. Before Hashem do say, though, that before the Gula Shlema, this is something we have to work on and prove on, otherwise Esav's still going to have that power and dominion. So it's a, it's a very important aside. Okay, let's go to many halachas that almost don't know where to start, but I'm going to start uh, with maybe grandparents. It's a good place to start. Believe it or not, there's two shiktas in the Ramah. I think it's the Ramah and the Marik. Whether there's a chiyat and mechabed grandparents, you might find that question unsettling. I have grandchildren also. I told them the Ramah Paskins that you do. At six years old, they weren't that impressed. But um, everybody's masking, it's the right thing to do. And uh, again, the Messiah depends on it. And if you're normal, you have a karasatayv. The question is, there are many situations where there are steerers. You have to know, is there a chiv, isn't there a chiv al pidin? And there arise for and against, which is why it's a machlik is in the early achranim, and the later achranim had a paskin, most achranim pass night to our mother, there is a chiv, not as much as the parent. Question is, if your father asks you for a cup of coffee, and the grandfather asks you for a cup of coffee, and at the same time, who do you serve first? Or they're both sitting at the table, this should come up. Sitting at the Shabbos table, and you have a father and a, and a zed. Who do you serve first? Uh, a parenthetical uh, sub- Shaila of that, this is not a din, I've been misquoted when I said this. When you uh, have a parent and a grandparent at the table, who sits at the front? So the good news is, in case you're all wondering, because you've probably seen it both ways, there's no din, there's no chiv to put the grandparent at the front. Uh, I personally feel, for whatever it's worth, that it's a lesson that uh, is not lost on the children. And I always thought it's double pushit bordering on a chiv, but it's not a chiv, they're not chalkin. I always thought it's pushy you put the grandfather at the head of the table. Why don't you put... So I've had some pushback from children, the middle generation, believe it or not. And one son once told me, a normal guy, he said, he, I mean, everybody's normal, everybody has their peckle, so he got very, uh, very nervous. He says, I, I waited 25 years to get married and have my own table and this is my house. And I said, it's your father. He said, yeah, yeah, we treat him very well when he comes. But my table, I, and my son, so he turned around, he asked me, he said, I have a chiv to give up my seat? I said, no. I thought it was interesting. Why shouldn't the children see that uh, the father's being my kind, keep it up, eh? I, I, don't see a, I don't see a downside. He got very, I don't people get emotional about different things in life. Um, if I take a spattering, I don't want to get anybody in trouble I, as I started. I don't want to get your children in trouble for not doing it. It's fine either way. I just, if somebody's asking me already, I would say there's a lot of upside, very little downside, and uh, if you want to test your children on the parsha, you can call them over to your winkle, 
And if you want, you can give that covet to your father also. And, okay, so there's some pushback, and I tell him, but it's not a chiv, and uh, do what you want. Uh, I mentioned that uh, there might even be an Indian to do that with your father-in-law. Oh, boy. I get... Uh, <laughs> you, you start making a chiv. You put your father at the front, and then your father-in-law comes and put him on the side. Uh, that's not uh, just in terms of uh, political correctness before we even get to the end. That's not very smart. I just forget your father-in-law. Your wife might wonder what's going on. A little odd. Uh, is there a lower chiv for a father-in-law than a father? Of course there is. The Shach says, when the Mechavah brings down the chiv to Mechavah in-laws, he says, Keshar zekenim chashuvim. That's like a serious downgrade from the Iker Hadin. So he said, well, what if they are zakenim chashuvim? So I just mechabed them anyway. Okay, so it's telling you, even if they're not zakenim or they're not chashuvim, you have to mechabed them like shar zakenim chashuvim. Okay. That's higher than a regular person, lower than parents. I don't know how you could uh, make a chilik uh, if your shver doesn't mind. Uh, then fine. I'm not trying to create shalom bias problems here, which I've probably done a lot of in the last 25 minutes. Uh, if, you're, if you're a regular at your child's house and they have not uh, been sitting in the front, that's fine. They probably never thought about it either way. Or they asked you the first time you came over and you said, the right answer, I hope, is chas this is your house, you sit at the front. So I just said both comments, so which is it? So I tell the son that you should offer and I tell the father he should decline. And I tell the son to offer <laughs> twice and mean it, to look like you mean it. And then I tell the father to slightly um, decline the second time. And then I tell the son to make sure he sits there. And then if he declines the third time, so fine. You have to know your children also. And if you really feel that he wants to sit in the front, then there's no chiv either way. I just if all things are equal, which in life they're not, I happen to think that it's a maila in what the children are seeing. That's my personal opinion. Uh, you can take it or leave it, but I, I again... Often, I'm well aware, all things are not equal, and if uh, you know your son has been looking forward to this for 20-some-odd years, uh, give him the covet, and why not? Then you score points. There's nothing, uh, nothing wrong with that. With that said, there is a machlekes, getting back to the coffee. So your father asked for a cup of coffee, your grandfather, who gets the first cup? So there's already machlekes whether there's a chiv on a grandfather at all, or it's just a nice, normal thing to do. That's already one suffix, and even according to the Ramah, Everybody's made uh, that it's lower than the father, and the Gros says maybe it's only B'nai Banam or maybe it's only a grandfather, a paternal grandfather, not a paternal grandfather. Uh, which again, they start making chalukim on the ground, that's going to cause trouble. But in, in Lumdus, there is possibly such a chiluk. Rabbi Kivega brings up from the Sefer Levayas Chain another point, uh, and it's um, basically Mavdol, uh, the transitive property of geometry. You remember, it's a, A equals B. And B equals C is A equals C, right? So, Lechaira, you're standing there, your father asked for a cup of coffee, and the grandfather asked, I'm assuming they didn't know each other asked, but it came at the same time. Well, what do you do? So, well, you're, you have a direct chiv to your father, and your father's a chiv to his father. So, shouldn't you have to, of course, give your grandfather? That's what A equals B, B equals C should say. So, Rabbi Kivega says just that. And many Acharnim say it's not, it's not true. They argue Rabbi Kivega, and they say that that's true when you have two primary chiyuvim, and you need a tiebreaker, so then you could say, Kulchon Chaim Bekvedi, Rabbi Kivega is coming from the Gemara. The Gemara says, your mother asks something, your father asks something. The Gemara says, you have a chiv to both, now you need a tiebreaker, the tiebreaker is, Kulchon Chaim Bekvedi, the mother has a sheep to the father also, so serve the father first. That's a fair issue Gemara. Nobody argues on that. Shailiz, is it a tzushtel to this case? Rabbi Kivega says it is, and Nechaz and others say that it's not necessarily daimah, because over here you don't have the same chiv. The chiv of the father is a primary chiv, the grandfather is a secondary chiv, and what the father does, the coffee is his business. He should tell you, serve Zaydi if he knows that he asked for a cup of coffee, or if he finds out, he should hand over the coffee. But that's not, your chiv is directly to your father. It's his call. So that's the machlekes. It doesn't come up that often. The more common case is the mother and the father, and you've got to walk very carefully over here, and not everything in life is about pulling rank. Sometimes you have to know what the din is, but uh, I've had scenarios, Baruch Hashem, Bachram call with a lot of Shailas. And it gives me a lot of nachas and Bachram at the beginning of Bena's Manam call with Shailas. And a lot of the Shailas are in Huchas Kibbutz Aim. And the reason they're asking is, is this like, like Shleishim Yem Kedem Achag? They know they're headed home soon, and they haven't had real Kibbutz Aim this year, and it's for like five months. 
if they're way out of town or since the last off Shabbos if they're closer. And usually the spike in the calls is Ben Azman and Pesach. And for the obvious reason uh, that often when Bachram come home, their mother asks them to do a lot of things, like for the next two weeks, you stay here in the kitchen and I'll let you know when you're free. And, you know, kids are kids. Not everybody's always set up for that, exactly. And um, so the, the, it's, it's very nice. The Bachram called and I said, I need some chizik and I have some questions. I said, well, you didn't get home yet. What are the questions? Is I'm asking questions based on what went wrong last Pesach which is great. You know, you learn from your mistakes and you have to uh, understand what to do right and what the them are. So one of the more interesting questions is when you're sitting in the kitchen peeling potatoes. That's a pre-Pesach activity that takes hours and days. And you're sitting there, you actually have the potato in hand and you started already and your father runs in and he just got a flat tire. He needs you to come outside and help him for 20 minutes changing the tire. So what's the din? No, everybody agree? Disagree? Is that Pashat? Uh, you know it's not Pashat if I'm asking the Shailah, obviously. It wouldn't, uh, the Pashat things you all know, you, you all learn the Sugi. What? Well, that's the political reality is that it's probably Kadai not to get involved in the crossfire that's about to ensue. And um, because there might be a voice in the kitchen, literally a boss call that says, how can you talk about tires? It's ever ever Pesach. Who cares about the car? I need potatoes, which is understandable. But that's the political side. There's a, there's a, what? Yes. Do we put in, do we have to contend with Eskim Mitzvah Potaman Mitzvah? That's why I described. He started peeling the potatoes. Matter of fact, he's on potato 652. He's in the middle of it. He's halfway done. So, so now what? So, there's uh, somewhat of a debate that should we use. Is this Shibud telling you that um, she has a Shibud to the husband? I mean, this is what's going on. Shibud is to help him. Or do we say that's good for her, but when he started his mitzvah, Isaac Mitzvah Mitzvah, Chaim has a short tshuva, he says Isaac Mitzvah Mitzvah, he should not stop peeling the potatoes unless he's told to by his mother. And then, as you said, you let them figure it out and, uh, and maybe excuse yourself for two minutes in the kitchen and then come back and ask for the decision. But um, in, in normal places, despite the pressures of Ere Pesach, uh, I would assume the mother would say, go help Ta change the tire, and the potatoes will wait a few minutes, and uh, you'll come back. But that's not your issue. Your issue is to know what the din is, or at least to know you have a shyless staring you in the face, and then deal with it uh, accordingly. There's a um, similar machlekes in the parameters of, um, as I was uh, walking in, somebody started discussing this, What's the din with an older brother, an older sister? Also, not very popular sugya, depending on where you stand in the ranking of the siblings. Um, when I even mentioned there was a shita, it's not a shita, it, like half the shitas, that hold that you, you have a chiyat mechabed, everybody older than you, including sisters. And I mentioned this once in Shir, and I had a guy sitting there who started uh, really uh, looked like he needed a little bit of uh, medical assistance. Uh, and I turned to him, I said, uh, you probably have uh, many children and you're the youngest, right? He said, how'd you figure that out? He's one of 14. He's number 14. 13 people? I said, look, because some of them get married and they don't all live in the same city. It's not so bad. And the uh, question is, what the parameter of the chiv is? No dinira. You don't have to stand up for them. You can call them by the first name. You can actually disagree with them in a nice way. You disagree with your, you don't speak in front of, in front of somebody older than you, which is a lost art. And if you disagree, you disagree nicely, which, of course, all siblings do, eventually. Uh, when you have a situation where they ask you for a cup of orange juice or a cup of coffee, that's what we're talking about. And interestingly enough, everybody's convinced that certainly is not included here. So I, I usually, when they say that, I ask them, and what is included? I just said, you can disagree with them nicely. You can call them by the first name. You don't have to stand up for them. That's all you're What do you assume covered is? Well, they think and think and think. One guy suggested, if he's ever honored in a dinner, I'll put in an ad. Okay, that's an interesting application. Uh, not exactly, uh, that's also true. And that's, even if it costs money, uh, we paskin even by keep it up aim, we paskin mishalav, we love mishalben. So technically, it's not greater than keep it up aim. He's probably not even mechiv to put in the ad and pay for it. But it's a nice thing to do. If he asks him for a cup of coffee, does he get a cup of coffee? Like people say, my brother asked me for a cup of coffee. He has two legs arms, able body, I have to get him a cup of coffee? Never heard of such a thing. I said, well, 
it's a dindaraisa, according to Moshe Rishayinim. And everybody's maskim, it's the oldest brother, the Machlekes Rishayinim, Machlekes Acharim, how to learn the Rishayinim. Shailas Shuvah's Marivayel has, says it's the Machlekes, the Rambam and the Ramban. Is it a Gezeris Akasav, only the oldest brother? The Ramban says it's that the parents should be able to leave the house and know that things are under control. So it's any of the older siblings should... There should be a pecking order, and there should be a, a mahalach in the house. Who's listening to who? So then he suggests, according to Abban, it's all the older siblings. And then the question is just the brothers, or also the daughters. I saw a hand there. So all of this is somewhat of a machlekes, but it's not like a, a sheet that nobody heard of to include all older brothers and even older sisters. Uh, sisters is more than to make all, but not so much, because Marit Vail seems to say it's basically telling in this machlekes, is it because it's because only the Bukhar? Or it does not be a bechor l'nachal a bechor l'peterechem, just the oldest one, which he himself asks. It comes out according to the shita. You can have an older one, and at 120, that one's not here, and it, all of a sudden you have to mechab the next one. He finds that hard to imagine. The other one says, yeah, whoever is the oldest one around, that's the one you have to listen. That bechor everybody agrees to. And the question is, if there are others around, uh, does it mean all your superior officers are just the oldest one? And uh, people find this uh, difficult, more difficult to keep it up to aim. And again, what amazes me is that when you talk about any simple application, they, they're convinced that I, I certainly don't have to get them any food and drink. And I, people are hard put to come up with any other examples. How often does this come up? A general mahalach of being mechabedem and talking nice to them, you should be doing anyway. That's certainly included, but uh, covered means servicing also or maybe even primarily. So that would apply, and it's uh, according to most Mepharshim, Adin Daraisa, and I think it needs a little bit of a Yeshua, a little bit of a Mace Mitzvah within the Sugi that people are just not aware of it. Uh, I've heard the following Taina, which, uh, again, I'm not saying doesn't exist. It's way overused. We have good from therapists in the community, and um, there's always a hot point of uh, contention because when people are emotionally involved, there are cases where Rahmal Islam, the parents are abusive, even if it's terribly verbally abusive or physically abusive, where the parent gets a, either a din of a Russia, in which case the Ramapas is no chiv kibud, or even if they don't have a din of a Russia, but the child has no chiv to engage because it's just too emotionally draining and disruptive to his life and development. There are cases like that. Not every case is like that, and that's what I introduced with the tree bending too much in one direction. Uh, a child, a teenager, doesn't have the right to say that I don't understand this and my parents are being too, uh, too rough on me and they're too much in my space and therefore I have no chiv keep it up aim because it might emotionally disturb me. If, um, despite all the complaints of young adults, they crave direction and parameters. And if that's not given and it's hefker, they're going to be growing up the para-adam we started with, which the Chumash says, that's not my name calling. Um, children have to be taught that there's a system and there's authority, and we live in a democracy, which if you're from is the best thing since sliced bed, much better than the czar and all the other things going on in Europe. Uh, so democracy is, is wonderful. We can do whatever we want. We can have shirim on legal holidays, even very gayushal legal holidays, as we spoke about last year in our Chukosayim shir. Uh, it's a machaya. It's machaya. I just realized after I got home, I drove back from Lakewood from a simple last night. It was 12 o'clock at night. I'm on, the, I'm on the Garden State, and I had to stop for gas. And then I went in to get a drink. I walk into a rest stop, and there are like four people in there. I didn't realize why everything was so low-key and the stores were all closed at the time. Don't think about these things. Maybe at 12 o'clock, they're always closed. I walked in. I'm walking around, get back to my car, and I drive home. I was thinking late at night. I said, you know, my great-grandparents probably couldn't leave the house on this night. And uh, one of the simple pshatim, not to take away from all the nister, of why they didn't learn on Leil Nittel is because it was Sakhans the Fashist not to stand there with a spade and a stick or the bolt holding back the door. And you couldn't learn because you couldn't go out and you couldn't go to the best medrash and you had to protect your family and hide in the cellar. The way it was. Not too long ago. And uh, the fact that I'm, I'm driving here, I'm a free man, and I not only have rights, I'm basically, I was the only guy in there doing anything. And, uh, and I didn't even think about it. I had momentarily forgotten that that was the date on the calendar. That's how quiet and peaceful it was, Baruch Hashem. So that's the mile of the democracy. The chasarin is everybody's got rights, and 
kids have rights, which they do to a degree, but everybody's got rights and opinions, and everybody's voicing their opinions, and it's a little bit out of control because at the end of the day, the parents can instruct and the children can ask in a nice way. Somebody's got to make a decision. And it doesn't always work well. I remember one, uh, one time, it was a good three, four months before Pesach. That's when we start discussing where we're going, Cholamoid. usually takes at least three, four months. And then you'd think we would get going Cholamoid morning. That takes another four, four or five hours till we... Uh, it's the same in every house. And um, I remember we were sitting at the Shabbos table. My oldest daughter, who's now married with uh, many children, Baruch Hashem, um, she was in fourth grade, I think, something like fourth, fifth grade. And uh, they had an idea. They wanted to go to place X. And myself and the Rebbitson uh, voted for the Bronx Zoo because the first day of if we're fortunate, comes on the free day. Um, and um, they wanted to do something uh, a little more exotic and very pricey. And we said, yeah, maybe uh, next Cholamoid, it's always easy to kick something down the road. And... Um, my daughter said, you know, she just learned in social studies that we live in a democracy. Why don't we put it to a vote? <laughs> so uh, it's a wonderful English ed- education. And um, I said, uh, not really. She said, we don't live in a democracy. I said, well, outside that door, we live in a democracy. In here, it's not a democracy. So she's thinking, and she said, what is it? She said, we learned about kings, monarchy, what is it? So I said, it's a theocracy. The parents are supposed to interpret what Ratzon Hashem is and how not to spoil you rotten and how to make sure you grow up as an adjusted, well-adjusted human being and give you what you need and not overdo it. So she thought about that and she said they didn't cover that in class, <laughs> which I wasn't surprised. Uh, but that's really what it is. Uh, we, we have to, our homes have to be a theocracy. It's not... Uh, Malchus Yisrael is sort of like a constitutional monarchy. The Constitution is the Torah, and the Melech, if you get down to it, has very little power because if it's against the Kutzel Shayyut of Adin, the Sanhedrin calls him in and tells him it's Usser. Now, how often that happened? If you had David, okay. If you had Yorav Menavot, it didn't work too well. But the ideal of Melech HaMashiach is that we have quite a check and balance system, and we have a Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin interprets any new Shaila that comes up and Paskins the Din based on a pretty democratic system of Rov. That's, uh, we do have that concept, and the Melech once in a while could do a Roshah and a Mary B'Malchus and sometimes go to battle, but even then, if he goes to battle with Ayas and the Hedrin, it's only a Kivish Yochid. David Melech spent months and months in Syria. Well, it's all one big Kivish Yochid and didn't do it. I said, what, why did he go? And he's explanation. But uh, Sanhedrin wasn't Moskim yet because they weren't consulted. They didn't do anything wrong, but it didn't have a full status. It wasn't for Kaisel. It was a personal Kivish. So uh, we used that in the Cholomai trip. She was still scratching her head. Afterwards, um, we did find one day to go to the Bronx Zoo, and later years we uh, uh, did spend some money on a different trip. But it's, a, it's always a work in progress. You can't, especially in Ardor, always say no. You can't erase, keep it of aim, and giving them the security which ultimately they need to be uh, normal functioning adults is that this is not about my authority and my covet. It's about giving over the Messiah. That means if you learn Kibbut Avim, you learn Kibbut Chachamim, you learn Kibbut for your teachers, you learn Kibbut, and this is an interesting, just, this is true for Goyim. If you don't learn this early on, you won't hold down a job. I've had this conversation with young adults. This is not only about Kibbut Avim, even if you're not so firm. If you don't listen to authority, you'll be this self-employed person, which sometimes works, and sometimes after the third business doesn't go, you have to get a job. And if you're not used to listening to anybody, nobody can tell you what to do, you're going to tell the boss the first day, how dare you? Who do you think you are? And he's going to say, I don't know who I am, but you're fired. So it's a question of uh, you're not helping the kid if keep it of aim is non-existent in the household. You're not helping him in any In the Gashmi, is in the Ruchni, you're not helping him. So it's an important thing to keep in mind. We have just a couple of minutes left. It's mentioned this is a... Large sugi, as a matter of fact, we're going to be up to, we just started this in Night Seder in the Shul. It's a large sugi, it shouldn't be no gay for serious things, but it comes up. We hope that people uh, live a long, long time, and they live longer and longer, Baruch Hashem. And in a relatively benign situation, sometimes just for added kayach, uh, you need to get shots, a B12 or something, you know, nothing serious. It's a big pain if you're living at home to go out every time you need one. 
It's sometimes expensive, depending on the insurance, not for a B12 shot, but for other things. Can a child give a shot? A child is a doctor, a nurse, or if they're not, they just learned how to do it. It's not difficult. Can they do it? So the Gemara Sanhedrin has what's a machlekes v'shayinim, is this a din d'rabbanon, a midas chasidus, a chumrah, ikara din. The machabra seems to hold this is the din, and he doesn't even give you any options. The Ramah brings that if there's nobody else and the parent's in pain or it's some great tzairuch, a child can do it. But everybody's maskim, the child is the last person to do it if there are other, because it's maka. Now, the maka here is for a fool, and Midaray said, fine, it's, it's a teva, it's afterbech, it's, it's the it's spitz kibbut of aim. You're helping them out, you're saving them a schlop out in the cold, and sometimes you're saving money. The Gesher Chaim, who wrote the Gesher Chaim Hilchas Avelus, but he wrote, he has a whole perik on Hilchas Rafua, where he sent out his own tshuva to the Peskim in Yushalayim, of Shlomo Zalman, writes back, and Herzog wrote back, very fascinating, it's, a, it's an arichus. But Yushalayim, nobody had any money. And the case over here happens to be the son was a Hatzala member in Yushalayim, Zachavish. And he knew, he knew how to give shots, he wasn't a doctor, and he had an elderly father or mother, and they, they couldn't even pay for it, they were poor, and they, so he said, Halach Lamaisa, what do I do? So the, the short end of the psak is that if it's a real tzarech, like Amara says, if he's in pain, they don't want to wait, or if it's too expensive, and they could be in pain because they have to pay the money, or they have to schlep out, and it's hard to get out. And they all say, which I find fascinating, that by a shot, if you know what you're doing, there's not really any dump to talk about, and there's no downside. The Gemara's example where they didn't allow their son to do it was taking out a splinter. That's the old sterilized needle you have to pick a little bit of the skin to pull the splinter. Not exactly dangerous, and the Gemara answered that, because you might prick too much, one little piece. So I have a lot of doctors in this year, and I ask them all, is, is, I know the answer. The first question is, that blood, when you give a shot, of course it's blood. They give you a little cotton ball and a Band-Aid. There's a reason for it, especially by from people. If you're wearing a white shirt, they don't want you coming back to complain in eight hours because it's so small, the needle, Baruch Hashem, is so thin that there's very little blood usually. All the doctors are made there sometimes as they're doing it more with children. The patient all of a sudden will be nervous and move and they scratch the arm all the way down, not so kind of the flushes, but that's exactly why the Gemara didn't want the children doing it, because something could go wrong. You're not trying to do it. My Rebetzin is a, is a nurse, so she was listening. She said, Zechilik? She, she's right, it's over there. The patient moved. It wasn't a question of you cutting too much. You can't cut too much. You just stab, and it goes in, and there's very little blood. And whatever blood is there is, nobody would have done a better job. So maybe that's the Shlomo Zalman and the Gesher Chaim toy with the idea. Maybe for that, if you know what you're doing, and there's no real margin of error, then Bishas HaTachak, it is mutter. And you have to ask a shayla, but there is a tzad to be mekel, as opposed to uh, even taking out a splinter, where you don't, nobody really knows what they're doing if you can't grab it with a tweezer. You've got to start just excavating. And you could cut too much, not Sakhanus Tafashis, but the... The Gemara did also that. Shaila is it a mitzvah or also maker adin? And obviously, a full blown operation, if it's necessary, I think by law, the child's not going to be doing it anyway. And over there, we would say, if it's not an emergency, get somebody else. If uh, they're on a desert island alone and uh, they need the sun, then obviously, even that's a consequence of just tsar, then it will be mutter. But you have to measure the tsar and the tircha and the amount of money involved and what, what else is available. Mitzvah uh, Shem, it shouldn't be that necessary. And. Um, Everybody should be uh, healthy and be either gi- giving or getting nachas to their children and parents. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.